We are in Joshua, the seventh chapter. <clears throat> there are three uh, really significant events in Joshua uh, that we are focusing on. We're kind of on the third one here. The first one is when uh, they go into the promised land, finally going into the promised land. As soon as they touch the priests, touch the water of the river Jordan, it just stopped flowing. And they were able to cross it on dry land. That was pretty significant. The next one was taking the uh, city of uh, Jericho, marching around the walls, and the whole thing just collapsed, and they went in and, and took over the entire city. And the third one is actually uh, taking on this uh, battle of the uh, nation of Ai. Um, these guys had gone thinking that this would be a piece of cake to, to take the, uh, the battle to these guys. It wasn't that big of a nation. But someone in the uh, group had sinned against God. God had told them when they went to, to Jericho, you don't touch any, all the spoils belong to me. God is God and he can say whatever he wants, for whatever reason he wants to say it. And in this case, uh, that's what he told them. <clears throat> You'll see that in other battles, that wasn't the case at all. But uh, the entire nation was very obedient, except for one guy, one little rat think, a guy by the name of Achan, decided to keep some of it for himself. And he hid it. Nobody knew about it. But God knew about it. And as a result of that one person's sin, it brought hindrance to the entire nation, as we talked about last week, uh, to me and the cameras. <laughs> All of you are listening. But uh, how one sin, is that is amazing. And we wonder sometimes why we don't see more of the power of God today. My goodness gracious, if it just takes one you know, you can imagine when so many people who claim the name of Christ live like little heathens, uh, why we don't see more of the power of God. This stuff uh, really hinders. And uh, so anyway, they go to fight this battle, and they thought it would be a piece of cake, but they got their butts kicked, and they are freaking out. How did this happen? How did this happen? Joshua was crying, God, why did this happen? God, why did this happen? And God finally told him, shut up. The reason it happened is because one of you guys has sinned and insulted me. And they're all like, News to us. I mean, they didn't know anything about it. So God tells them, we're picking up a chapter 7, verse 13. Go consecrate the people, God tells them. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparations for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. That which is devoted is among you. That which is devoted, in other words, God said, all that stuff is sanctified to me. Those are devoted things. I told you not to touch them. And that which is devoted is among you. One of you rascals has this. So I want you to prepare for this tonight. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. Now you can imagine poor Achan must have been freaking. Freaking Achan. And uh, because all night long he had to wait. And for what in the world is going to happen tomorrow? This is all going to be re uh, revealed. He says, in the morning present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord says shall take shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord takes shall come forward family by family. The family the Lord takes shall come forward man by man. He who is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has dis done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Now you would think right then and there, the guy would have cried out and said, it's me. But he didn't. And what a miserable night he had to have had knowing what was coming. You know, it's amazing. <clears throat> People knowing what's coming often won't change them at all. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, even people who know that someday, particularly people of faith, they know that they're all, we're all going to have to stand before God someday and give an account 
of our lives. And yet do things. We lie, cheat, steal, fornicate, adulterate, men, whatever. And it's like we live in this delusion. Like, well, uh, I don't know, I guess someday. But they, they, even though they know Judgment Day is coming, it's as if it has no impact on them at all. How we deceive ourselves, it is truly an amazing and quite disturbing thing. But here this guy knew it was coming in. God got made it rather dramatic. God knew who it was. It wasn't like God's trying to figure out who was this guy. But dramatically makes them all stand, the nation, and everybody has to come and stand before the Lord to figure out who it was. And I'm sure all these guys are like, they're all freaking, you know. Man, was it anybody in our clan? Was it anybody in our tribe? Was it anybody in our family? You know, nobody knew who it was. So early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward, tribes by tribe. And all these tribes come forward one at a time. And the tribe of Judah was taken. God said, it's, it's in Judah. So then the clans of Judah came. Everybody else was relieved, I'm sure. Uh, the clans of Judah came forward. And uh, all these clans come. And uh, he took the Zerahites. And then he had the clan, of, the clan of Zerahites come forward by families. And the family of Zim, Zimri was taken. And Joshua had his family come forward man by man. And finally Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. God had pointed out it's him. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And finally, only when being confronted face to face, does the guy freak and admit it. And he replied, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonian, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I I coveted them and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkey and sheep. I don't understand all this, but I mean, they wiped out everything. Now, took it his tent, everything he had taken, to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him. And after they'd stoned the rest, they burned them. And over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. And therefore, the place, uh, that place has been called the valley of uh, Achor, uh, which means trouble, uh, ever since. And there you have it. Ouch. So they dealt with that. Then the Lord said to Joshua, chapter 8, verse 1, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you. Now, go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Except that now you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Why now? I have no idea. I have no idea. I didn't know why he told him the first time, don't touch it, it's all mine. And I, the next city, go ahead, just have a party, take whatever you want. Who knows? I just know when God tells you to do something, you better pay attention. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't mess with the Almighty. 
So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. And he chose, chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out. Now remember, these are the guys that just beat them. They just got their butts handed to them. And they were freaked out. So now they're going back. This time with the blessing of God, not the curse of God. Don't, you know, again, there's this arrogance. Oftentimes, foolish people who claim the name of Christ, who say, it doesn't matter what I do. I know it's probably not it should, we shouldn't do it, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. They justify their own morality in their own little heads, thinking that God will still be with them, and He isn't, and they get their butts handed to them in life. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of them wake up and finally get smart, start doing things right. Sadly, there's many who never get it right, and their lives are always a disaster. Best to do what God tells you to do. So, anyway, He tells them, He gives them these new orders. He says, Listen carefully, you're, you are to set an ambush. Behind the city. So this is, they give us uh, their tactics now. Uh, Don't go very far from it. All of you uh, be on the alert. I and those with me will advance on the city. And when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them, just like we did before. And they will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city. For they will say, they're running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you're to rise up from the ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire and do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my, uh, you have, you have my orders. So those are the orders. Get ready. We're going to go in march. As soon as they come out, we're all going to go, ah, and run away, pulling them into a trap. Okay. Then Joshua set them off and they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night with the people. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his men and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. The entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. They set up camp north of Ai with the valley between them and the city. Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. These are the guys waiting to take the city. They had the soldiers take up their positions, all of those in the camp to the north of the city to ambush to the west of it. That night Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw this, he and all the men of his city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking uh, the Arabah. Now, he was excited because they beat him before. We figured they are going to beat him again. But he didn't know that an ambush had been set up against him behind the city. So Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them. They all fled, running away toward the desert. All the men of Ai were called to pursue them. They got everybody out and said, come on, let's go get these guys. And they pursued Joshua and they were lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. The entire city, all the men went running after them thinking, yeehaw, we got them on the run again. Well, now they left the city completely open in pursuit of Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, hold out toward Ai the javelin which is in your hand for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out his javelin toward Ai. As soon as he did this, that was the signal. The men in the ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forward. So they entered the city, they captured it and set the city on fire. Well, the men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke in the city rising against the sky. But they had no chance to escape in any direction. For the Israelites who had been fleeing toward the desert had turned back against their pursuers. Now... Things are getting nasty for these guys. Okay, all of a sudden they turn. They're not running from us anymore. They turn around. There's the city on fire. They realize they've been suckered. Okay, they are in big trouble. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke was going up from the city, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. The men of the ambush also came out of the city and against them. So they were caught in the middle with Israelites on both sides. Israel cut them down, leaving them uh, neither survivors nor fugitives. But they took the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. When Joshua had finished killing all the men of Ai in the fields and in the desert where they had chased them, 
And when every one of them had been put to the sword, all the Israelites returned uh, to Ai and killed those who were in it. 12,000 men and women fell that day, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back the hand that was uh, uh, held out in his javelin until he had destroyed all those who were there. So anyway, um, well the next one said, but Israel did carry out for themselves the livestock and the plunder in the city just as the Lord had instructed Joshua. So it basically wipes out the entire place, okay, and has this great, uh, great uh, battle, uh, wipes them out. Um, then in the next few verses, verses 30 to verse 35, then they all get together and Joshua... Um, uh, they have this big service and they're worshiping God and they're offering sacrifices and it says in verse 34 that Joshua read all the words of the law the blessings and the curses just as it was written in the book of the law there was not a word of all that that Moses had commanded Joshua that he did not read to the whole assembly of Israel (laughs) that would have been one boring day (laughs) oh holy cow Man alive! I mean, we skipped over just gobs of it because it is so tedious and so long. I don't know if any of you actually took the time to read all of the book of Numbers and all the book of Deuteronomy and all the laws and something. So anyway, they get together, they have this big service. You think, sometimes I might go along. That ain't nothing. How long it took him to read the entire thing. There was not one word that he did not read as they stood there and he read this. La, 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 la. Wow, Hochi Mama. Okay, that that was a big, big deal. Um, so those are like the, some of the three big deals there. Uh, actually, there's one more coming. That's also and, and before we jump toward the end of Joshua, let me get this other one in because there's another real significant event that happens right after this. Uh, in chapter nine, there's this uh, thing called the Gibeonite deception. Let's read this because this this is pretty significant. It, it shows you how seriously. These guys took it when they made a vow, when they made a promise to God, when they swore to God. They took it with awe. I mean, they feared. Of course, by now, they finally were getting a clue. After everything they went through, you don't take the name of the Lord in vain. You don't take it. And in vain, I mean in any way you take it seriously. When, when you would say, we swear to God that we're going to, by the way, as believers, I don't believe you're supposed to do that anymore. Jesus said, let your SBS, your no be no. You don't need to go around swearing to God that you're going to do stuff. You'll get yourself in all kinds of trouble. Don't do that. But they did it, and they took it very, very seriously. So check this out. Now when all the kings of the west of the Jordan heard about these things, well, they're freaking out. Here comes this army that's been hanging out in the desert for 40 years, going around in circles. Nobody knows what they're trying to do. All of a sudden they come in, and they take uh, the big city. You know, the walls come tumbling down. I mean, that freaked, him, freaked everybody out. Jericho, uh, and then AI and all this stuff's going on. So they're absolutely freaking and panicking. So uh, they all got together to make war against Joshua. So all these kings got together. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the uh, Perizzites. <laughs> That's what it says, Perizzites. That's well, not Perizzites. Perizzites. They probably were Perizzites. The Hivites, the Jebusites, all a bunch of ites, all kinds of ites from everywhere. Got together to make war against Joshua. Verse 2. Uh, however, when the people of Gibeon heard that Joshua... What Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, then they resorted to a ruse. They got together and they went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks and old wine skins cracked 
and mended. They basically put on this show, you know, like they were just nobodies. And the men put worn uh, sandals and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. And all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Sounds lovely. Uh, then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gig- Gilgal and said to him, And the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. We've come from a distant country. We'd, we'd like to make peace with you. We're a bunch of nobodies. We're nothing. We're we really like you guys. You seem like nice people. Let's, let's do a treaty. But the man of Israel said to the Hivites, well, Wait a minute, maybe you live near us. We don't know where you're from. How can we make a treaty with you? Because we come, we're wiping out everybody. We're taking over this place. And uh, uh, so they said, Well, we're your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua said, Well, who are you? Where do you come from? They answered, Well, your servants have come from a very a distant country beyond because of the fame of the Lord your God. They don't exactly say how distant. You know, in inches it was distant. <laughs> they were right, they were the next city actually. But they fooled these guys and said, Well we come from a distant and we've heard what God's done for you guys and we're very impressed. And we've heard reports of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Shihan, a king of Heshbon and Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtroth. Uh, and our elders and all those living in our country said to this, Hey, take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left it. Liars! Liars! A bunch of liars! They said it was warm. Now it's all oldy and moldy. No, no, it was moldy when they grabbed it. Okay? They tried to fool them that it had been from a really long distance. But now see how dry and moldy it is, they said. And these wineskins, when we filmed, they were new. They were fabulous. But now look how cracked they are. And our clothes and our sandals are worn out by the very long journey. So the men of Israel sampled the provisions. <laughs> Why? I don't know, moldy bread? Let me try it. Very nice. Yes, lovely. Um, <laughs> the wine I could see. The bread I don't understand. But, uh, but they did not inquire of the Lord. So, you know, a little bit of a lesson there. You know, pray about everything, ask God for wisdom and direction and stuff. But they didn't do this. If they had they have asked God, clearly God would have told them, "Hey, they're a bunch of slime bags. They're the next city. Don't fall for this." But they didn't bother, so they didn't pray about it. Again, good lesson for us. So then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oh, so they make this swear. They swear to God, you know, we're going to do this. Da 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 da. Well, three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israel, now, now they find out. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to their cities, Gibeon, Kippurath, Abiru, whatever the names of the cities. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. You morons, you idiots, why to do that? What's the matter with you people? But all the leaders answered, Look, we've given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. They took this so seriously. Now you would have thought these guys would have, think, wait a minute, you lying bunch of scumbags. You lied to us, you deceived us. That would have been my argument, actually. I don't know what the Lord would have thought of that, but, uh, you know. But they took it. They were so serious about the swearing to God that you don't mess with calling on the name of the Lord. Had they not that, done that, they could have straightened the situation out. But they did. So they didn't kill them. They said, this is what we'll do to them. We'll let them live so that the wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore on them. I mean, come on. 
One guy steals a couple of things, the wrath of God hits the whole country. You're not about to go back on swearing to God that you're not going to do something. So they said, well, let them live, but they will be woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community. So they basically made them slaves for the rest of their lives. Okay, that's what, and of course, these guys were thrilled by that. (laughs) Better a slave than dead. Okay, and they knew they would never be able to withstand them. So this is what happens. Okay, so now, so they pull this thing off. Then we look at chapter 10. Now, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem. Now, this is not... This is the city of Jerusalem where eventually the Jews will live and David will be king and Jesus someday will come back and rule in Jerusalem. Uh, All that stuff. But at this time it was ruled by pagans and heathens. So the king of Jerusalem heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and his king what he'd done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and they were living near them. Well, he and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was such an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai. And all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoam, king of Zebron, Piram, king of... Whatever, you can read all those things. I can't even read them. So he gets all the kings again. He says, come on up here, you guys. Help me attack them. And uh, we'll attack Gibeon because it's made a peace with Joshua and the Israelites. So they were so ticked at those guys, the traitors, those dirty rats. They made peace with them. So let's go and we'll attack those bunch of twits. So there are five kings... Of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jeremoth, Lazarus, joined forces, and they moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked. So they launched this attack uh, on this city that had made this treaty. Well, the Gibeonites, they freak, and they sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come, help us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all of his best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid. I have given them into your hands. Again, that, that phrase, I have done it. Before, Remember, we talked about that. God often would always say that. When God gives you an answer, as far as he's concerned, it's done with. It's already happened, even though it hasn't happened yet. That's how sure his promises are. And he says, and Jesus taught us this. We need to pray. When you pray, believe you have received it, and then you will get it. It's kind of odd, but I mean, that's, that's the power of faith. It becomes so real to you, you know it's done, even though you haven't gotten it yet. The power of faith. Anyway, says, not one of them will be able to withstand you. So after an all-night march from Gilgal, that had to stink, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So all these armies, they all freak out and they're confused now. And Joshua attacks them with this, with this uh, surprise attack. Um, and uh, Israel defeated them with a great victory at Gibeon. Well, Israel pursued them along the road going up from Beth Haran to cut them down all the way to Azekah and Mecca, And they fled before Israel on the road. So they're running for their lives, okay? And uh, as they're running from the army, then God gets in on the deal. And the Lord hurled huge hailstones down on them from the sky. And the Bible says that more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords. I mean, everything was going wrong for these people. They're running, they're about to get away, and God brings us just, yo mama, nasty storm. And rocks of ice come, you know, if you've ever been in a massive hailstorm, you know, you don't want to be standing outside long, that'll kill you. And it just, it killed more of them, died from that, than even the swords. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to, to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Now this is the big significant biblical event here. This is one of these yo mama biblical events that you read about, and then of course... Unbelievers say, oh, that's just not possible. It couldn't have possibly happen. You know, they, uh, the God, they didn't really uh, cross the Red Sea out of Egypt. They crossed the Reed Sea. 
I saw like the Sea of Reeds, you know, very muddy, and that's how they got out. Which that's even a, even a bigger miracle because then God, you know, killed all of Egypt's chariots in six inches of water. I mean, either way, it's a win. You know, but they'll do anything. I, I, you can't believe it. Oh, can't believe it. Well, this is a heavy one. All right, this is a wow, 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 wow deal. So Joshua gets up and he says, Oh, sun, stand over Gibeon. Oh, moon, over the valley of whatever that is, word is. And so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemy, as is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since a day that the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all of it. So what happens is they are chasing these guys. There is this huge rout against five kings. Guys they didn't think they were going to run into until later on. They all come up against them. They are having time. They are wiping them out. It's getting dark. And usually that's the end of the fighting. When the, Back in those days, the sun comes down. You know, Boom, everybody's got to wait. So Joshua stands up and appeals to God. And the sun stops. He say, Pastor, do you believe that? Yes, I do. Why? Because the Bible says it. And, uh, and it's just that simple. And say, so, how can that be? I don't know. Maybe it's a miracle. <laughs> well, this is not possible. It's just not possible. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, people, you know, they, just, they try to rationalize things in their heads, you know. Do you, do you really believe that a giant fish... Uh, Swallowed uh, that that guy. Do you really believe that? Yeah, I'd believe it if the guy swallowed the fish. I mean, it wouldn't bother me, you know. I just believe God's word. It's true. Now, why would the Bible make something up like this? I have no idea. But this is an amazing event, and it's just one of those big yo mama, holy cow, the kind of things that you know. Again, unbelievers will say, "Well, that's not possible." Well, not possible with you. Anyway, so anyway, so that's, so that's what happened. So the sun stayed up longer than it should have, and then they finished wiping everybody out, and then, boop, everything kept moving again. Cool. I just think that's cool. I don't know how all that stuff happened. I don't know how any of this stuff happens. So anyway, so then it goes on, and you can read it all on your own time. Chapter 12 shows you the list of all the defeated kings. Starting in verse 9, the king of Jericho, Ai, Jerusalem, Hebron, gives this whole list of all these kings. They go in and they wipe them all out. And they take over the land. And then they start dividing up the land according to which tribe gets this part and what tribe gets that part. And this part gets to here and this part gets to there. And la 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 la. All right? And uh, I just don't want to read it. So there you have it. <laughs> you can read it, you know. I don't, I don't want to. I did read it once. I read it all once, <laughs> so I ain't reading it again. Okay, uh, just the parts that seem to have impact. Um, then uh, Joshua. We'll, we'll turn to chapter twenty-four. This is the end of Joshua now. So we're just jumping to the, all of this is about how they divide up the land, and uh, and they went through and. Uh, and, and even still, they weren't done. They still had to clear out. This really took a, a great amount of time to wipe out all these. They, they were at war for a long time. And they dominated. This became, becomes the Holy Land. This is the Promised Land. This is the land of Israel uh, to this day that they're still fighting over. Uh, so anyway, so then anyway, uh, uh, chapter 24, last chapter in the book of Joshua, uh, verse 28. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. And after these things, 
Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnah Serah, in the hill country of Ephraim, uh, up in Door County. <laughs> no, not there. But there is an Ephraim up in North County. Uh, uh, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So this generation was pretty faithful. Remember, their parents were a mess of unbelievable, incomprehensible stupidity. God did these incredible miracles for them and they just couldn't get it right. They couldn't trust God. Finally, their kids trusted God. And they went in and they took the land and they did their promise. And they were all obedient through the life of Joshua and through the elders who outlived him. And they all did the right things during their lifetime. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for 100 100 pieces of silver. Now check it out. Remember when we read that. He made them promise. Don't leave my bones here. When God brings you out, Take my bones with you and bring it back to the promised land. And hundreds of years later, they finally, uh, you know, 500 plus years, they finally bring now Jacob's bones. And they fulfill that promise they did to him all those years ago. Amazing. Uh, and then uh, verse 33, Eleazar, the son of Aaron, who had taken over the priesthood, was he also died and buried in Gibeah which had been allotted to his sons. Blah, 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 blah. And that is the end of Joshua. All right, those are the significant things in Joshua. It's great, wonderful, inspiring things there. As I'm pulling off all these sticky notes so I can find my way around. All right, now, how are we doing for time? Okay, we're doing good. Now, we're just going to do, again, just a little bit of hopping through judges. And uh, beyond that, I'm not sure if we'll go much further uh, I might be tempted to jump in a little bit in, into King David, but uh, we'll see what I feel like at that time. But I want to talk to you about judges. Now, what happens at this point, um, God starts raising up leaders to help the Israelites, uh, and they were called judges, hence the book of Judges. We'll pick it up at chapter 2, okay, verse 6. And basically repeats what we had just read at the end of Joshua. After Joshua dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. Sound familiar? We just read that. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at age of 110. They buried him, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now verse 10. After that whole generation that had been gathered to their fathers... Another generation. So all of them, they stayed faithful. But then the next generation come who neither knew the Lord or what he'd done for Israel. Even though I'm sure they had talked about it, but they hadn't experienced it. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. The Baals were these uh, gods, basically Satan worship, idols, idol worship. That they kept, they kept getting sucked into this. this. These were the gods. This was the uh, tradition of the land that they went and took over. Remember that God had sent them in. And, uh, and Moses reminded them. said, listen, a big part of this deal is 
it's promised land, but the reason God's sending you is, is not because you're so sweet, is that He's bringing judgment on these nations. They were so wicked. They were unbelievably wicked. If you could have seen the kind of people they were, it would make sense why there were such, they, they wiped them out. I mean, God's vengeance just came down and just, just crushed them all. But they were into all these weird gods and idols and stuff, and that spirit, that stuff just stayed in the land. And they kept getting sucked back into these bad behaviors that uh, God had brought judgment on the previous uh, uh, nations for. And a lot of it was this, the thing of the bales, you know, worshiping these bales and these, uh, not bales of hay, but just bales. Okay, anyway, <clears throat> they forsook the Lord, the Bible says, the God of their fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods the people, uh, of the people around them. And they provoked the, provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asheroths, another god. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around, whom were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. Unlike their fathers, they quickly turned from the way in which their fathers had walked, the way of obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, Because this nation has violated the covenant that I laid down for their forefathers and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether or not they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their forefathers did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. So there, these nations stayed behind. There were a handful of nations that basically torment these guys. And you read about it throughout the Old Testament. These guys who would come, you know, the Philistines and all these guys that were there. They never did get rid of them. God kept them there as, as a reminder of and used them as judgment against Israel. Why these people kept falling back into the same sins over and over and over and over and over again is hard to understand. But they did. And they would constantly, I mean, and, and they said, you know, each generation would get more wicked than the, the last one. And they would cry out to God, God, help me, God, help me. God would come and deliver them. But no sooner than they got delivered, then they would go back to their uh, wicked ways. Again, the New Testament warns us against living like these people. Don't be like this. The Bible says we should throw aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. We shouldn't constantly be falling and tripping over the same things over and over and over again. And while a lot of us do, I get it. You struggle with the same thing you do and then you mess up again. You do it and you mess up again. God doesn't freak out. He's not going to kill you. But you're going to have a hard time walking in God's blessings till you get free of that. And he'll help you get through that and help you grow past that. But at some point, if you're going to be successful in life, you've got to get past those things. You just can't keep doing the same things over and over and over and over and over ad nauseum. And it seems like so many people who claim the name of Christ, who say they're Christians, just live in a vicious cycle of repeating the same sins over and over and over 
and over and over again. I will say at least this. You know, as long as you stay honest and say, Father, forgive me, and you admit that what you did was wrong, he will forgive you. He will strengthen you. He will, his willingness to forgive these people was amazing. If I was God, I'd have killed them all just for the entertainment value alone. <laughs> but I mean, he, I mean they, they were unbelievable. But God, I mean, this shows two things. One, that God will forgive you over and over and over again. My biggest concern is that when people do these things and then they justify them and they say, it's not a sin. It's not wrong. What I'm doing is not wrong. It's okay. It doesn't matter. These are the people who become like the children of Israel, who they would go out and try and live life and they lived in defeat. And mark my words, if you continue not only to, to struggle in sin, but to justify saying it's not wrong, it's fine, it doesn't matter, my friends don't mind, I don't think it's anything wrong, oh, the Bible's just an old book, the pastor is an old guy, who cares? Okay, as long as you justify those sins, man, now you're in a really bad place. The fact that you struggle, you know, welcome to the human race, welcome to all the people around you struggle, we all struggle. I have been known to struggle from time to time. We all struggle! Okay, But when you make mistakes, you just call it what it is and you move on and, and ask God to help you and he will help you and you can grow past that. But, it's, but not as long as you keep making justifications for it. That ah, it doesn't matter. All right. All right. So that's that whole deal. So now we read about these different um, uh, judges. And I just want to read, I think, just three of them here that I want to point out because they're cool. And the other guys are boring. Yes. Anyway, you can read it on your own. The first one I want to point to is the, the next one that comes up. Oh, actually, there's a few. Da, 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 maybe the fourth one. Deborah. Uh, this is kind of unusual because it's a woman. Whoa. God uses a woman. <laughs> How could that be? Uh, yes, God can even use women. Hallelujah. So anyway, Deborah is this judge that God raises up. And uh, we read it in chapter 4, verse 14. And I'm just reading this because it's gross and it's fun. And uh, <laughs> it's just one of those gross things, you know, you just read about in the Bible and go, ew! And uh, so let's read it. <laughs> so Barak, Deborah says to Barak, go, this day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Sisera is causing trouble, so, you know, they're rebelling against God and God sends these guys and torments them and raises up these people to set them free. So he tells Brock, man, go for it. Go for it. You can do it. Deborah is this, this priest, priestess, this, this prophetess over the land, and everybody was coming to her as the leader. Uh, so anyway, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak uh, went uh, down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera uh, and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as whatever that town is. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left. They slaughtered the whole lot of them. So God just delivered them from these people who were tormenting them. And they turn around, God anoints them, they go and they just kick their butts. Sisera, however, he gets away. However, he fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Habar, the Canaanite. Because they were friendly relations between the uh, between Jabin, king of Hazar, and the clan of Habar, the Kenite. That's kind of you know friendly people. So Sisera, he's the only guy left. He's the king. He gets out of there and he runs and he hides and he's in this tent. So Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, "Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid." 
So he entered her tent and she put a covering on him. And uh, I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. So she opened a skin, skin, of, skin of milk. It wasn't water, but that's what she had. Gave him milk and gave him a drink and then covered him up. She, and then he said, stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If anyone comes by and asks you, is anyone here? Just say no. Okay, so anyway, so the guy falls asleep. Okay, but then this lady, Jael, Heber's wife, picks up a tent peg and a hammer. And went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. And then she drove the peg through his temple into the ground. That is so gross! Ah! Now why are they telling us the story? I don't know! It's just really gross! So Barak comes in pursuit of Sesera, and Jael went out to meet him. Of course, you know, she wanted to be on the good guy's side. He says, come, I will show you the man you're looking for. <laughs> so gross. So he went in with her, and there lay Sesera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. Mr. Peghead. <laughs> Just seriously seriously disgustingly gross and uh <laughs> there i read it to you i don't know what it has to do with anything but it's just one of those man you remember that part in the bible now you know okay these are all these events you're becoming educated beyond your intelligence this is good now you know all this stuff see some people talk about it you know what they're talking about uh then let's, let's skip to the to uh, overcome the judges here over to chapter six actually i think that was oh, the next judge Chapter 5 is just the song of Deborah. If you want to read her song, go for it. But uh, she writes the song, praising God. Chapter 6, God delivers them. Everything's fabulous, great. Wipe out this evil army. And what happens? Do they worship God? Do they thank God? Do they stay faithful to God? No. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord over and over again. This was the pattern. Uh, this continues actually until God can't take it anymore and they all go into Babylonian captivity uh, that is a major event in the life of Israel maybe as we go through this we'll kind of lay some of this out so you can kind of get a big picture of what happens and, and what the Old Testament a lot of it's about after that time when they came back and rebuilt the city and the temple they didn't have any more problems they finally got free of the struggle of idolatry and stuff but it was only after this very, very strong, severe discipline from God that came on the nation. But up to this point, you can see how they just keep frustrating the plan of God for them and why eventually they got taken into captivity. So, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord for seven years. He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now the Midianites are here. Now because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They were basically... Uh, they're going underground. I mean, these guys were so oppressive to the Israelites. They made their lives a living hell. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped out on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. They did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Remember, God warned them. Remember when, when Moses talked about this. He says, look, if you will do what I tell you to do, I will bless you and you will be so successful. Everything you touch will prosper. If you disobey me, everything you touch will turn to dust. And we see this over and over again. As they obeyed God, they would prosper and succeed. When they disobeyed, everything was going against them. 
So they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts, these Midianites. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invite, invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. They would finally get to a place of repentance. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt, from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah. And uh, that, that belonged to Joash the Abizrite and his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine presses to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And this is going to be a great story that we'll pick up next week. You know, here Gideon, he's like the girly man of the Bible. And he's hiding. And he's scared to death. And he's the least of the least. He starts arguing with this angel. And he says, how can you say the Lord's with us? And how can you call me a mighty man? I'm a nothing. But God called him a mighty warrior. Long before he ever became a mighty warrior. Uh, I, I teach this. It's one of the scriptures that I use trying to explain that one of the best ways that you can help a man to succeed, ladies, is to treat him with great respect before he earns it. And that's how God always treated these men. They'd come to them and treat him with great respect, calling him a mighty warrior. He hadn't done anything. He's a coward and a chicken. But great respect before he earned it, and then this respect that God had given to him transforms him. And Gideon goes on to win one of the most impressive military victories in the Old Testament. Okay? Uh, and then after Gideon, then we're going to hit the, the, the last guy. Did anybody know who the last guy is that, that's very, very cool in Judges? Take a guess. Samson. Samson, great story. Samson and Deliah. Very, very cool. Very twisted. Very weird. Very bizarre story of Samson and Delilah. And, uh, and then we'll pretty much be done with that. So uh, anyway, we'll just keep cruising along here. Cool. I am finished. <laughs> we can have our ushers come uh, for our Wednesday night offering. Our musicians to come back up. And uh, check it out, man. You just zoomed all the way through the book of Joshua. Now you're running through Judges. You're going to be such brilliant Bible scholars. You won't know what to do. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your blessings. Lord, help us to learn from your word. Above all, help us not to repeat the mistakes of others. Help us to repeat the wonderful acts of obedience that the people who loved you did. Help us to be faithful in our lives before you so that you can bless us, so that we can walk in victory, so that we can be joyful in our lives and not defeated in our lives. Help us to learn your truths, we pray. Bless your word in our hearts. Drive it deep within us. Transform us. Help us to grow. Bless these offerings, we pray, as we give them into your kingdom, God, to make your church strong, to reach out and touch lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.